Blog Talk Radio. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
my fellow Americans. In a few moments, the celebration will begin here in New York Harbor. It's going to be quite a show. I was just looking over the preparations and thinking about a saying that we had back in Hollywood about never doing a scene with kids or animals because they steal the scene every time. So you can rest assured, I wouldn't even think about trying to compete with a fireworks display, especially on the 4th of July. My remarks tonight will be brief, but it's worth remembering that all the celebration of this day is rooted in history. It's recorded that shortly after the Declaration of Independence was signed in Philadelphia, celebrations took place throughout the land, and many of the former colonists, they were just starting to call themselves Americans, set off cannons and marched in fife and drum parades. What a contrast with the sober scene that has taken place a short time earlier in Independence Hall. Fifty-six men came forward to sign the parchment. It was noted at the time that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors. That was more than rhetoric. Each of those men knew the penalty for high treason for the crown. We must all hang together, Benjamin Franklin said, or assuredly we will all hang separately. And John Hancock, it is said, wrote his signature in large script so King George could see it without his spectacles. They were brave. They stayed brave through all the bloodshed of the coming years. Their courage created a nation built on a universal claim to human dignity, on the proposition that every man, woman, and child had a right to a future of freedom. For just a moment, let us listen to the words again. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Last night, when we re rededicated Miss Liberty and relit her torch, we reflected on all the millions who came here in search of the dream of freedom, inaugurated in Independence Hall. We reflected, too, on their courage in coming great distances and settling in a foreign land and then passing on to their children and their children's children. The hope symbolized in this statue here just behind us. The hope that is America. It is a hope that someday every people and every nation of the world will know the blessings of liberty. And it's the hope of millions all around the world. In the last few years, I've spoken at Westminster to the Mother of Parliaments, at Versailles, where French kings and world leaders have made war and peace. I've been to the Vatican in Rome, the Imperial Palace in Japan, and the ancient city of Beijing. I've seen the beaches of Normandy and stood again with those boys of Point de Hope, who long ago scaled the heights, and with at that time, Lisa Zanetta Hen, who was at Omaha Beach for the father she loved. The father who had once dreamed of seeing again the place where he and so many brave others had landed on D-Day. And he had died before he could make that trip. And she made it for him. And Dad, she said, I'll always be proud. And I've seen the successors to these brave men young Americans in uniform all over the world. Young Americans like you here tonight. 
who manned the mighty USS Kennedy and the Iowa and the other ships of the line. I can assure you, you out there who are listening, that these, these young people are like their fathers and their grandfathers, just as willing, just as brave, and we can be just as proud. But our prayer tonight is that the call for their courage will never come. And that it's important for us, too, to be brave. Not so much the bravery of the battlefield. I mean the bravery of brotherhood. All through our history, our presidents and leaders have spoken of national unity and warned us that the real obstacle to moving forward the boundaries of freedom, the only permanent danger of the hope that is America, comes from within. It's easy enough to dismiss this as a kind of familiar exhortation. Yet the truth is that even two of our greatest founding fathers, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, once learned this lesson late in life. They worked so closely together in Philadelphia for independence. But once that was gained and a government was formed, something called partisan politics began to get in the way. After a bitter and divisive campaign, Jefferson defeated Adams for the presidency in 1800. And the night before Jefferson's inauguration, Adams slipped away to Boston, disappointed, brokenhearted, and bitter. For years, their estrangement lasted. But then, when both had retired, Jefferson at 68 to Monticello, and Adams at 76 to Quincy, they began through their letters to speak again to each other. Letters that discussed almost every conceivable subject, gardening, horseback riding, even sneezing as a cure for hiccups, but other subjects as well. The loss of loved ones, the mystery of grief and sorrow, the importance of religion, and of course the last thoughts, the final hopes of two old men, two great patriarchs for the country that they had helped to found and loved so deeply. It carries me back, Jefferson wrote, about correspondence with his co-signer of the Declaration of Independence, to the times when, beset with difficulties and dangers, we were fellow laborers in the same cause, struggling for what is most valuable to man, his right to self-government, laboring always at the same oar, with some wave ever ahead threatening to overwhelm us and yet passing harmless, we rode through the storm with heart and hand. It was their last gift to us, this lesson in brotherhood, in tolerance for each other, this insight into America's strength as a nation. And when both die on the same day, within hours of each other, that date was July 4th, 50 years exactly after that first gift to us, the Declaration of Independence. My fellow Americans, it falls to us to keep faith with them and all the great Americans of our past. Believe me, if there's one impression I carry with me after the privilege of holding for five and a half years the office held by Adams, Jefferson, and Lincoln, it is this, that the things that unite us America's past, of which we're so proud, our hopes and aspirations for the future of the world and this much-loved country, these things far outweigh what little divides us. 
So tonight, we reaffirm that Jew and Gentile, we are one nation under God, the black and white, we are one nation indivisible, that Republican and Democrat, we are all Americans. Tonight, with heart and hand, through whatever trial and travail, we pledge ourselves to each other and to the cause of human freedom, a cause that has given light to this land and hope to the world. My fellow Americans, we're known around the world as a confident and a happy people. Tonight, there's much to celebrate and many blessings to be grateful for. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Let the celebration begin. Robert Jones Situation Report. Happy birthday, America. Uh, we celebrate the 4th of July today. I spent a great part of the day uh, reflecting on my time here in the nation's capital or very near the nation's capital. I spent some time at Arlington Cemetery. I spent a little bit of time walking around the National Mall. And um, I spent some time early this morning, about 5 a.m., having uh, my um, annual ritual with uh, with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, let me explain. Uh, back in 1982, uh, I was a young uh, Marine about to uh, be commissioned to Second Lieutenant in the Marine Corps, uh, stationed at Quantico near Virginia. And uh, one night I was uh, partying in D.C., and Right around 2, 2.30 in the morning, I had just a little bit too much to drink for a 19-year-old. And um, and I wound up uh, somehow at the Lincoln Memorial. And I stood there at the Lincoln Memorial at 2 a.m., which is a very eerie, eerie feeling, by the way, place to be at that hour. Uh, and I stood up uh, looking at Lincoln and... Um, you know, just you know, I couldn't I couldn't read the words because it was very dark at the time. But um, I just stood walking around a little bit, trying to clear my head so I'd um, you know be sober enough to drive back to base. And uh, as I walked around um, the statue, I noticed a set of stairs, small stairs, sort of embedded in the in the uh, in in the memorial. I guess it. Um, my guess is that it's a uh, you know, a way for the people, you know, the, the maintenance folks to get up and, and clean uh, Lincoln's uh, memorial. So I started climbing up those little stairs, uh, and then I got the thought that uh, I'd like to kind of see what Lincoln <laughs> might be looking at 
as he looks out, you know, at the uh, the, the reflecting pool and then the um, and then the Washington Monument. So I just kind of sat there, wound up actually sitting on Lincoln's lap as I looked out and out at the uh, at the D.C. and uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty nice view, you know, as I recall. And uh, I wound up falling asleep, falling asleep in Lincoln's lap. I woke, and um, the sun was coming up, and uh, so I must have been asleep for at least two, three, four hours. And uh, I was very lucky that I didn't fall off, you know, and break my neck. Or worse, um, but every year since that time, if I happen to be uh, in the United States, I would make my way, no matter what I was doing, to the Lincoln Memorial at exactly five o'clock each time, and I'd stand there and have a conversation. Well, a rather one-sided conversation with the with the Lincoln Memorial, and. Uh, I really did enjoy that time. And I did that this morning. Um, and uh, then um, later on in the day, uh spent some time in the cemetery and paid my respects um, to some warriors that I knew, some I'd read about. And um, got back to my place in Alexandria and began watching the History Channel. The Revolution. And in the History Channel, the revolutionary uh, part of it, um, I noticed I noticed something unusual. You know, we often say that uh, we are, uh, this nation has been preordained for greatness, that we are, are an exceptional nation. American exceptionalism is out of favor right now. And has been for the last few years or so. But what I noticed about the documentary, which spent, which was on most of the day today, was that I count eleven times where Washington and his troops were on the brink of defeat. And I don't, I don't mean just a battle. I mean just defeat, where uh, the British were were going to end the conflict, end the war. But something always happened where Washington, the commander-in-chief, or his generals would recover miraculously. The war could have ended very easily at one point, and uh, Washington and the remainder of his troops who survived a, a horrendous battle, the remainder of Washington's ragtag army were able to escape across the Delaware River. And just as the last bit of his army were about to go ashore and be discovered, a fog, a fog, a dense fog came out of nowhere 
and lend cover to Washington and his troops so that they were not discovered. And they lived to fight another day. And miraculously as it was, the fog disappeared. That's a true story. This country has come to the point of dissolving many times. But we've always survived. And so we shall survive this current administration, this current enemy of the Constitution, the current enemy of this great nation, of what this great nation really is. The man who believes that our Constitution is a charter of negative liberties, state what the government can't do to you, but not what the government can do for you. Those are his words. I should have quoted them, but I didn't. So when you think about the many times where this country could have – was on the brink of dissolving, on the brink of disaster, and we, we came back. Remember on this day, July 4th, what it really means, and remember that even though we live in dark times now, we live in interesting times now, with this current administration doing everything in its power to bring this country to its knees, remember that we have come back many times, and so we shall again. We will rise like a phoenix from the ashes and become what we should be. What we once were before Barack Hussein Obama. And someone was right when they said that in the future we will measure time as before Obama and after Obama. And they were exactly right. And so we shall measure time before Obama when the nation was strong and after Obama. When this great nation recovered. Now, more than any six weeks in recent memory, the events that transpired during the period of May 21st to June 28, 2012, confirmed the ingenuity and wisdom of the founders and thus sealed the fate of an administration as well as the American left. I'm reading from an article in the American Thinker, written by Steve McCain, six weeks that saved America. The founders of the United States, fearful of dictators and monarchs, were determined to diffuse power as much as humanly possible. They knew, based on first-hand experience, as well as writings of men such as John Locke and his emphasis on the rights of property and his theory of separation of power. That only a structure of government geared toward making it extraordinarily difficult for any one person or group to fully seize the reins of governance could ensure the long-term survival of this great nation. At the base and foundation of their convoluted but ingenious pyramid consisting of the federal government split into three equal parts and the individual states and their governmental prerogatives. With all that, 
includes the people, us, you and me. Over the past 220 years prior to 2008, the nation went through an evolutionary process whereby the federal government was granted more power than was ever envisioned by the founders. However, this has been, as the nation becomes enormously prosperous, or became enormously prosperous, the will of the people and in their desire to ensure the welfare of all citizens. It was never the citizenry and intention it was never the citizenry's intention to evolve uh, a monolithic all powerful central government controlled controlling the the day to day affairs of every American such as what we see happening with this administration. It's true that there are those of us who want to lead. There are those who want to be led, and then there are those of us who simply want to be left alone. I got off the uh, reading there for a few minutes and interjected my own my own verbiage. But I think you get the picture, don't you? The intention of the American left folks as personified by the uh, uh, ascendancy of Barack Obama and his radical minions, is to establish this monolithic, omnipotent entity. This has been their singular goal since the 1930s, and in 2008, they thought their moment had come. Thus, the mad dash to pass legislation such as Obamacare, setting up the EPA as a... um, bludgeon to enforce their green agenda, initiating a quasi-fascist relationship with those in private economy, those in private economy willing to pledge allegiance and subservient to the cause, such as GE, for example, and transforming the Justice Department, among other cabinet departments, into the enforcement arm of their 1960s radicalism. But on the road... On the road to this utopian paradise, a strange thing happened. Can you guess what it is? The structure of government. And the most important document in the history of mankind, the Constitution, written two plus centuries ago, reared their respective heads, sidetracking and dooming this agenda, as well as its proponents. The past six weeks America highlighted this process. First, on May 21st, 43 Catholic bishops and institutions filed a lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Services over the contraception and abortification mandate issued in January, forcing the church to violate its basic tenet and teachings. The Catholic Church, normally supportive of liberal welfare causes, found itself in the crosshairs of a dictatorial mindset when it came to what the Obama regime and the left dictates as required belief. The remedy? Invoke the First Amendment, freedom of religion, and file a lawsuit while making certain that the public and Catholics throughout the country became informed 
and thus vote in November. And a further and ongoing example of the failed Obama socialist agenda, the May Employment Situation Report was released on June 1st, showing an anemic 69,000 jobs being created, while the number of jobs reported in the two previous months were downward. Nearly 20 million Americans are now unemployed and looking for work. Further, on June 13th, the Conference Board revised its estimate of gross domestic product growth to 1.6 in the second quarter and 1.7% in the third quarter of the year, considerably lower than the 3.5 necessary to sustain economic growth and job creation. Unlike the current regime, the founders recognized that free enterprise unshackled by oppressive government was the key to prosperity, and they reflected this in their writings and in the founding documents. But on June 16th, Barack Obama unilaterally declared that he would no longer enforce the immigration laws on the books when it came to a designated and preferred class of illegal immigrants. In a crass political move, he declared himself above the law, and someone with a, an assumed power to pick and choose which laws he will enforce. Now, this runs obscenely counter to the constitutional duties of the office of the president, and is an action which creates and confirms the suspicion that a person is imbued with a dictatorial mindset. And that person is Barack Hussein Obama. It speaks to a wariness embedded in the American psyche. And we owe that thanks to the Founding Fathers. Barack Obama invoked executive privilege on June 20th in an effort to protect Attorney General Eric Holder from having to turn over documents apparently to avoid incriminating the Obama regime to Congress. This entirely spacious action was done solely to avoid a potentially damaging political issue. The issue, why did the administration deliberately arm the Mexican drug cartels, which resulted in the death of hundreds of Mexicans and at least two American agents? This matter would never have been to light the day uh, – would, would never have seen the light of day had not Congress been charged in the Constitution with the oversight of, exe of the executive branch. Now the people can judge and reach their own conclusions, particularly as more evidence comes to light. Don't say we weren't warned. We were warned about these things. And on this day, the 4th of July, the birth of this great nation, we are faced with tyranny, but we have a remedy. We have a remedy. We we have 
We have to vote. Barack Hussein Obama needs to be stopped. He needs to be stopped, and he needs to be stopped now. This experiment with this president has come to an end. Our ultimate affirmative action hire has been a disaster for this nation. We live in interesting yet dark times. And without God, and without faith in this great country, we are doomed. What are we to do? Well, we'll take a short break, and we'll come right back, and then we'll wrap this, we'll wrap this up. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Finally, there is a great tradition of warnings in presidential farewells. And I've got one that's been on my mind for some time. But oddly enough, it starts with one of the things I'm proudest of in the past eight years. The resurgence of national pride that I called the new patriotism. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American. And we absorbed almost in the air a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. If you didn't get these things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood, from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio. Or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that, too, through the mid-60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s, and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father, who had fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanata Hen, and she said, We will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of that, of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. 
Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. And that's about all I have to say tonight, except for one thing. The past few days when I've been at that window upstairs, I've thought a bit of the shining city upon a hill. The phrase comes from John Winthrop, who wrote it to describe the America he imagined. What he imagined was important because he was an early pilgrim, an early freedom man. He journeyed here on what today we call a little wooden boat. And like the other pilgrims, he was looking for a home that would be free. I've spoken of the shining city all my political life, but I don't know if I ever quite communicated what I saw when I said it. But in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans, windswept, God-blessed, and teeming with people of all kinds living in harmony and peace. A city with free ports that hummed with commerce and creativity. And if there had to be city walls, the walls had doors, and the doors were open to anyone with the will and the heart to get here. That's how I saw it and see it still. And how stands the city on this winter night? More prosperous, more secure, and happier than it was eight years ago. But more than that, after 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge, and her glow is held steady no matter what storm. And she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. We've done our part, and as I walk off into the city streets, a final word to the men and women of the Reagan Revolution, the men and women across America who for eight years did the work that brought America back. My friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, goodbye. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Welcome back, folks, to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. You know, whenever I hear that man, when I hear his voice, Ronald Reagan, give a speech, it just it just really chokes me up. I'm serious. Let me take a moment to to gather myself. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, you think about men like Ronald Reagan. And uh, contrast Reagan, his belief system, his love for this great country, the fact that he always spoke so highly of America and its people, the fact that he loved this great country, he stood up for this country, he believed in American exceptionalism, contrast him with the clown 
that we have in office right now. Enough said. But I want to take a moment to speak about Mitt Romney. Because I've supported Mr. Romney throughout the primary season for the most part. And now as our party's um, nominee. I gave some thought today as to what would Ronald Reagan, what would his response be to the Supreme Court's decision to uphold the individual mandate, Obamacare as a whole? And what if Ronald Reagan were the candidate, how would he respond as opposed to how Romney responded? His tipid response, his lack of gravitas when it comes to this subject. Now, in all fairness, I gave thought that perhaps Romney doesn't want to expose himself too much as it relates to this subject, given the fact that he had a version of Obamacare in his home state of Massachusetts. However, I think that Ronald Reagan would have ended Obama's presidency on that day. He would have ended it with just one speech. Romney is seen on a jet ski. I think he's with his beautiful wife. And he's yet to capitalize on this unfortunate ruling. One wonders. Today we enjoy the blessings of liberty because of the brave actions of Americans' founding fathers and of those patriots who were willing to risk everything to fight in the the Continental Army. Looking back from our vantage point in the comfortable present at the events which culminated in the birth of this nation, the United States of America, it's easy to think that the results were a foregone conclusion, and it was not. That was a brief line from an article today in the Fox Nation titled Happy Independence Day by Martin WWTFT blog. We have a caller. Caller, you're on with the Steve Robert Jones Situation Report. Hello, are you still griping? Hey, Maze, what you doing on here? Shouldn't you be barbecuing and I don't. That? Why should I be barbecuing? Barbecuing for what? To give thanks to this great nation. That's not giving thanks to this nation, barbecuing. So, wait a minute, Maze. So, do you believe um, what Chris Rock had to say? Are you are you following that line? Are you one of those black folks that's still bitter? I don't know what Chris Rock said. Really? What did he say? Well... I tell you, Chris Chris Rock went off the edge. You know I used to like that fool? Well, there's a whole lot of things you used to like. So why you got to call people names in order to get a point across? 
Well, actually, cause you, can't I think, get your, I think, you can't get your point across without. I him. think he's a fool. I right. know your mother taught you better. Than he that. he said he said earlier today, uh, Happy White People's Independence Day. Oh really? Yeah. And. <laughs> uh, hey, and is right. <laughs> I got some clown named Pretty Fox who said, "Never forget the torture that America has put on people's lives to get where she is today." Really? Yeah. So while you're popping your little firecracker. Blah 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 blah. But what is what is what is what is Independence Day got to do with you? With me? Mm-hmm. Well, it's got a lot to I do mean, with where, me. Where, where, where do we fit in? Let me know. Where do we fit in? Amer? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who? Americans or who? other people? Colored. Whatever you want to call us. Yes. Where we fit in is um, in the fact that uh, besides well, spending money, the fact that we have benefited, we we've benefited greatly from this country. Really? Uh, you and me. Certainly, mm-hmm. you and I certainly we certainly have. You don't believe that you have? I'm asking you, what do we fit in? Well, I I'm I'm thankful. Oh, okay. For the work that was done by the founding fathers, I'm thankful for the. Were the founding fathers in love with you? With your ancestors? They, I, well, I don't know if they were in love with my ancestors, but I do know that the majority of the founding fathers voted to end slavery. Oh, really? When yes. did we start celebrating on the 4th anyway? Carolina, wait a minute now. In South Carolina was the lone holdout. And unfortunately, the founding fathers set a rule that all colonies had to agree. And if one were held out, then the agreement would be null and void. South Carolina held out. But all the other founding fathers were in agreement that a slavery should be abolished. Did you know that, Mays? Yes. I'm asking you a question. When well, did we fit into the 4th of July? Well, because we're, cele- we're celebrating the birth of the nation. We that celebrate we, a lot of things. We celebrate okay, Easter. Cele- if we celebrate that, then we're celebrating this. So what's your point? I'm saying, I'm saying why? When did we get to fit in? I don't understand your question. I answered the question you twice. You love so much you should know. When do we start fitting in? Because we hadn't always fit into the 4th of July. Mays, we celebrate the birth of this country. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and, all it has, and all that we have been able to accomplish throughout the years, mm-hmm. all this great country, simply for being, has given to us. All yeah. of that. That's why I celebrate. That's what we are all about. Never forget, Maze, that your ancestors and mine helped. I know they helped build this country, but they don't get no credit for it. Helped to build this country. We have a stake in it. Well, we sure do, but I wonder why did they leave out the history. Maze, we have a long and rich history in this country. Can I tell you the days that I that I celebrated when I was growing up? Yeah, I celebrated May Day, and I celebrate Juneteenth. Well, tell me about Juneteenth. This is just like the 4th of July. Tell me about it. When we got our independence. Well, what is it? What is Juneteenth? And I think that, that came before the Juneteenth. What does that is, mean? What? what is, where did that come from? When the slaves were freed. That's where it but came from. It was in June. That's why it's called Juneteenth. And it's, and it's the, in the history book. You got to look, you know, look it up. That's when they used to celebrate it. And I never... Actual, huh? What was the actual date? Huh? What was the actual date they were celebrating? I have to look it up so I can tell you. 
But no, I have no. it in my book. Yes, I do. I, it's, it's, seven, it's June 10th. The 10th of June. But I got, the year is not right with me. I can get so it in my you, book and tell you. Celebrate. It's that day. All June long because you don't remember the date? No, you don't say Aubrey. I do not say the 10th. So you just said you celebrate. I said the year. Yes. That's when I was growing up. That's what we celebrated. June 15th. Is it 18th, 15th, 14th? Which date is it? The 10th. No, it's not the 10th. It is. It was not the 10th, May. What was it then? Say that when you were a girl, you celebrated Juneteenth. You don't even know which day you were celebrating. I do know what day I was celebrating. Okay. I'll let you slide, Maze. This pseudo-black deal you got going on, you don't even know what you're celebrating, Maze. What? And I find that to be. I, I don't find that to be. I'm uh, celebrating when I was growing up, and I still celebrate yeah, no. the 19th of June. So what? So what are you doing today? Did you work Nothing. today? No. Did you work? Did you light Did off work? fireworks? Did I do what? Did you light off any fireworks? Did you have any? No, because I wasn't fireworks. I don't believe in shooting what up stuff and all of that. What you do? What am I gonna get out of it? Nothing. Did do, what did you do today, man? I didn't do nothing. You just kind of hung out. Hung out. I stayed in my house all day. You just kind of sat in a chair, Barco lounger or something, watching TV? Would you watch all my children? Uh, no, I don't watch all my children. What'd you do? I was watching, uh, what was I watching? I watched so many movies, I don't even remember what they were. But it had nothing to do with, uh, it's Uncle Tom. That's what I was Uncle watching. Tom. Uncle Tom, yeah. Where did Uncle, where did dead. The, where did Uncle Tom come from? <laughs> Uncle where did Tom that, dead. That's Uncle what I was watching. <laughs> did you know that Uncle Tom... The person who's depicted as Uncle Tom was a patriot. Did, <laughs> Did you know? Of oh, course, he was a patriot. He was a snitch too. What so you what know? Got to do with it? Let me ask you this. Tell me what you know about Uncle Tom. I just told you about Uncle Tom. From? I told you Uncle Tom was a snitch. A snitch on who? Just like we have him today. So who did he snitch on? The community. What community was that? Your your ancestors. Okay, enlighten the audience here. It's like I said, it's like I said, Uncle Tom and white supremacy is nine away. Can you flesh it out? What did Uncle Tom? I just, I just, just like you do now, just like you as a Republican, you want to carry the water. So Maze, pretty much, you know, and I love you, Maze. I think you're great, and I and I don't want to. I told you. I don't. Did you hear what I said? But Maze, I said said, Uncle Tom and white supremacy is going away. Mate, you are a typical black person. It's dying just like no, it came I, and it's dying away. And you know, everybody else in America is going to really enjoy oh, America. Then. Hold on. You are a typical black person who doesn't know your history. And I find it ironic that I hear all the time black folks saying that I know my history. Did you hear what I said? I You can't even tell me the date I of told you Uncle Tom is... Stands for. You, you want me to tell you what? Tell you, yeah, what? you I mean, you celebrate. I told you June the 19th is the day that the slaves were free. So what are right. you talking about? Why don't you celebrate? Why Why is it that you do not celebrate the 4th of July? You know what I'm going to celebrate? Mm-hmm. Uncle Tom and white supremacy going away. So America can be happy. That's what I'm going to be celebrating. Right. As soon as it happens. And it's coming soon. Really? To a, to a, to a, a house near you. <laughs> okay. In the United States. Well, I appreciate that, May. And, and I'd be glad to see it go. Okay. <laughs> That's why I say they work hand in hand together. Got it. Got it. I Sometimes understand. You understand. Appreciate what you're saying here. Um, 
I just don't think that you're, you know, you know what's going on. You don't what do you really mean? Know, I don't know what's going on. You, you don't even know what Juneteenth, Juneteenth means. I you did tell you what Juneteenth was. You used the phrase in a disparaging way. No, I didn't. Phrase, you are one of those, you're just, you, you're, you just typify. I'm you're, just typify. Oh, I, gotta, I know why I called you. Can I ask yeah. you the question? You remember the little boy that was spoke at the at the convention um, four years ago that changed his mind and said he didn't want to be a Republican anymore? Yeah, he what spoke. Was his at, name? He spoke at CPAC. And he had y'all down pack. You're just like a coat that goes straight down now, the line, and you can't think. It's listen, people got to think for you. Now listen to this, Maze. And I'm not mad with the boy. Y'all want to? Uh, I know y'all mad with him, and you're mad with and the judge please, too. Please, please listen for a moment, dear. And this is America. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to mute you. Just listen for a minute. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch was once a socialist, a Marxist. And Ronald Reagan was once a Democrat, too. He was, no, Ronald Reagan was once a Democrat. Rupert Murdoch was once a socialist. I mean, a hardcore socialist. Right up until the time where he had to actually go out and get a job and make money. So it's no big surprise if a person switches parties or they switch their philosophies. And that's the beauty of this great country where if you if you don't believe in 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 uh conservative philosophies and you want to be a democrat and be liberal, you can do that. It's really cool though when you're a socialist and you actually have to go out and get a job and make money and you're Decide you're going to be a capitalist of the magnitude of a Rupert Murdoch. So I'm I'm very pleased with the way things are going. I'm very pleased that Barack Hussein Obama is on his way out. He's pretty much done. And Obama is a fraud. Hello. Can I finish? Rarely, rarely in such a short period of time has any president in his administration been so exposed damningly so it's now beyond any shadow of a doubt maze that Barack Obama's a fraud devoid of any character and integrity and is essentially a megalomaniac immersed in radical ideology and moreover maze to say that the day is coming when white supremacy is ended and when uh, uh I don't know all that all that stuff you were talking about? <sighs> maze, maze, maze. I don't know what else to say. I love you, girl. I think you're a sweetheart, but you're just way off base here. I mean, just uh, way off base. Now, what, what's your response? Oh, I'm talking about Hillbilly Bob. Uh, like, Who's uh, that? Hillbilly, uh, U.S. Marine. The Hillbilly. How do you know, you know he's a Hillbilly? Huh? <laughs> How do you know he's a Hillbilly? Because of the way he writes. Well, I mean, what can't take the truth. Call you, uh, 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 you know, we can call. We got a couple of names for you too. I don't really call people names. But you just but call, just call Bob mount, Hill, the mountain, the the the, the mountain ghetto man. Hillbilly. Wait a minute, you you just call you just call him a hillbilly. So yeah, you, that's why I did. Call people names. Huh? I don't. But, but I can call just, him a name. Okay, all right. So Maze, listen, honey. Yes, dear. I think you're a sweet potato, and I love you, and I really do appreciate you calling into the show. You're amusing, to say the least. So and are hope- you. 
But I'm I'm happy to see the little young man use his sense and say he's not he don't belong to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. That's he has makes, sense. That's what makes America. But why so are they great. mad with him? Who's mad? I'm not mad. I bet you a U.S. Marine is. He probably I, I, about, he's about he's about to pop, pop a firecracker. You should ask him. You should ask him if he's upset. I'm not. I, I couldn't care less. And then you're mad with the judge at the, at the Supreme Court. I'm not I, mad with the judge either. I think what the judge did was brilliant, man. I, I do too because if if they, if they all see, like, they get confused. I thought that the court was for. I just shot you down twice. You never. Oh, you said in your mind. But what I'm saying. I thought that what, what the court was supposed to be for the American people, not for the party. That with the judge, I couldn't. I think what the judge did was great. I think what Justice Roberts did was great in this country. Is he? I wish much, they, I, I wish pretty, I wish the Congress would get that way too, so they much, do for the people, because then they can work against the people. He's he pretty much sealed the doom. He he put the last nail in the co- in the coffin of Barack Obama's presidency, and a lot of you don't even know it. You you, ha- you haven't figured it out, but anyway, the time's run out. We got just two minutes to go. I want to thank Mays for calling in. She's great. We love her. She's way off base and just not very well informed, but we love her anyway. We appreciate it when she listens to the show and calls in. We do indeed. But I want to take this time while we still have time to wish everybody a happy and safe rest of the Fourth of July holiday. God bless the United States of America. Happy birthday, America. Thank you all for listening tonight. You've been listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We've got much more, uh, many more great shows. Uh, And uh, so stay tuned because tonight's going to be special on Blog Talk Radio because we're going to be celebrating this great nation all night long. Stay here. Be here. I will be. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We're out.